Um, I'm here today, um, very, very proud to have uh, John Cherry with us today, who is a farmer and the founder of Groundswell Agricultural Festival Conference, Regenerative Agricultural Conference. How, what's the title of Groundswell? Well, I know it changes all the time. I mean, it, yeah, it, I suppose it's a, we call it a show and conference, but it's um, yeah, it's a, a meeting of a meeting of minds, meeting of minds, and uh, uh, yeah, get together for all the regenerative farmers out there. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm th this is the, the first podcast in the series I'm doing for Regenuary. And right. um, Regenuary is a sort of month long campaign that we at the Ethical Butcher run, really with the intention of sort of breaking down some of the narratives uh, around the impact of food production, as well as wanting people to broaden their minds, broaden their horizons, explore some um, ideas and, and stop thinking in absolutes that one thing is inherently worse than another or better than another. And, and I really mean that from, from every angle that we yeah. can possibly come at it. We need to be able to discuss the, the nuances of production, of, uh, of the impact the production has on mm. the food we eat. But if you could maybe take us back, because I've only been involved in this world for two or three years, but you, are, you know, possibly have... Well, I know you've been involved in it quite a bit longer than that, but you're possibly like at the, at the very early stages of what we would now consider to be regenerative agriculture. So would you just take me back to your journey and where it started and where you came from? Well, <coughs> I, well, I mean, yes. I mean, it all starts a long time ago. But that, we, um, I mean, we've been farming since my brother and I, since the mid-80s, I suppose, and it's a... Um, I started off with idealistic ideas of, of, of how we could go organic and do the rest of it and it, it, I realised it was slightly too complicated <laughs> to, for my little brain. <clears throat> but I've always been worried about the effect that farming, conventional farming, the sort of industrial model of farming has on the soil in particular but on the, on the land and the, and the, the products we pr produce aren't really as nutrient dense and as good as they could be. And they come at an enormous ecological cost of, of, um, in terms of energy put into the amount of energy you get out in, in, in the food and all the rest of it. <laughs> but being a little bit lazy, I carried on doing what I was doing until I came across farmers who were what we would now describe as regenerative, but then they were they were really, I suppose they were some no-till farmers. Okay. And so no-till is, uh, because we're, we're mostly arable farmers and we have, we have some permanent pasture, so we're a mixed farm in a sense, but it, it, it tended to be two separate enterprises. On the permanent pasture we'd have some animals and the rest of the land we'd plough up and, so, and so, grow sorry, wheat and stuff. Just to throw in, you know, just to sort of clarify some terms there, but Permanent pasture is literally year after year after year. It's kept as pasture with animals on yeah. it, and then the arable all on the same farm. So I know that you because yeah. we, we buy beef from you, so I know that you do both. But all on the same farm, you then have other land that is only growing crops year after year after yeah. year, and you're not mixing the two. Is that is that the traditional system? Well, the traditional system, I suppose. You yes, it depends how far back you want to go with your traditions, but. Uh, a lot of the or, or the modern way, the modern say. way, exactly. I mean, it, it's 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 w since the last war, the last Second World War, we've been we've convinced ourselves that we don't need to 
look after the soil that well we can we can buy solutions in a bag or bottle and um so you're talking about artificial fertilizers right artificial Which, fertilizers now, yeah. correct me if i'm wrong but that was developed almost by accident after the Second World War when somebody spilt munitions on the ground which were rich in nitrate and they noticed that everything grew. And of course they had a huge amount of these unused nitrogen based you know, yeah, explosives yeah. basically and somebody discovered that actually if you spread it on the land things grow quicker and that was almost the sort of Beginning, yeah. beginning of the end as it were. Well I think it was even the first war. I'm not sure. That? I mean it but it, it really kicked off after the Second World War because we had a, we, you know, there was a, a, food, a massive food shortage. We couldn't grow enough in, in the UK here, and, and we were. I said it was to do with the shortage as well. Well, I mean, that, yeah, so there was the Agriculture Act of 1946, and it was all about trying to ramp up local production. So we never again really had to rely on convoys from America and all that kind of thing. Got you. So, uh, and and there was. Ex there was a green revolution, they called it. We, it was all about growing an awful lot more wheat and um, short, you know, it, it, was, it was all very exciting and the government was pumping money into farming and, and farmers did very well and we grubbed out the hedges and made bigger fields and grew more and more wheat. And uh, unfortunately, it just it seemed to feed the beast rather than feeding the people and, and it, it, farmers became so commodity producers for big business, you know, and which is where we've got to a stage now that you know fifty percent of the food people eat is ultra processed food. You know, it's, right, it's, right. it's come out of a factory rather than out of a farm. But but these methods of farming that we're talking about then, which you know, which you had, you know, it's, you said like in the eighties you decided to try and move away from. They were relatively recent then. It's it's not long that we were doing this at a very industrial mechanized style of farming then. We're talking maybe 40, 50, 60 years before that. Yeah. Um, so that's quite a lot of damage in a short time. It is, but I mean, I think the damage has been going on for, you know, since Neolithic times, really. Right. I mean, you okay. know, it, if you, it, it's fascinating, you know, we, we, the land of milk and honey that is talked about in the Bible in the Middle East is, is, is mostly desert now, you know, but it's, yeah. it's been over farmed, over grazed or, you know, ploughed and, and, and eroded away. And, you know, North Africa, the breadbasket of the Roman Empire is, you know, Libya and places, it, it, mm -hmm. it's all, it's, it's all desert, desert you know, yeah. it's, um, um, and, and, you know, humans are very good at messing things up. But the problem is now we're doing it on a global scale, and, and you know we, we've got to, we need to be able to feed ourselves. But um, okay, so, no, no, so I'm getting completely off. No, no, no. But this, this, this is this is good sort of groundwork, <laughs> as it were. But yeah, yeah. Um, let, let's backtrack now. So you were you and your brother, yeah. in, in the eighties, conventional, mostly arable, little yeah. bit of a little uh, bit of so a few cattle on the few cattle on the and. You, you mentioned drilling and tilling. Can you just explain what those two are and, why, and, and what the differences are there? Well, it, it's, it's, it's um, we, we were, we were ploughing in, in, the, in the 80s, we were ploughing our ground up. So, you, you, you know, the moldboard plough, you, 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 you dig into the ground and turn the top sort of six to eight to 10 inches upside down. Right. And then you have another series of different so putting stirrers and harrows and things that, that so create a seed, seed bed. Yeah, so you, you smash up all the soil 
and then you plant your you, you make nice little seed bed you know and, and plant your seeds all in a row and then um, and it all grows in the in the in the in the soil and then you put a bit of fertilizer on it so and a spray and then you combine it and then you sell it to the grain dealer and without and asking a stupid question why why do we plow what, what what's the what's the purpose if, if all you need to do is yeah <laughs> no it's an incredibly good question and it's it's one that people don't ask themselves and there's there's a fellow and i can't now remember his name william faulkner no can't was it anyway he he wrote exact he wrote a book called um Plowman's Folly in, in America in, in 1940 something and he was worried about it in, in, uh, in the, so I think it, when he was at school in the 1910s he kept asking everyone why do we plow and no one could come up with a good answer you know but he so he developed a system of, of farming without plowing um, because he says madly, I mean it's incredibly energy intensive turning the whole thing sure. upside down. But so, and so, if, yeah, you've, you, if you've only got an ox to do it, it's, you, need, you really don't do it unless you have to. But it, basically they were doing it to control the weeds and to give your, the plant a head start. But crucially also if you ah, disturb okay. the soil, you, you let the air in and, and it, it, it breaks up the, so the humus, the, the lovely brown stuff and, and releases nutrients so you're okay okay so, so you so get so a there, head there start is, there yeah. is a purpose so yeah, it is yeah. it is kind of reinvigorating to some but it's degenerate degenerative you know it, you're starting off with a lovely kind of chocolate cake soil mm -hmm. and you're you're eroding it or what you're you're evaporating it in effect and after but it happens quite slowly so yeah. and we got to the stage of uh, in the 1980s and 90s, our soils were getting harder and harder to do anything with because all that lovely organic matter yeah. had turned into carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. You know, uh, so I've got you, I've got you. And so, because I remember, like, you know, in my uh, early days of involvement with this business, when I was, you know, I came to see you and a few yeah. other farmers who would yeah. be our suppliers. And one of them that I went to see, a guy called Neil Harley, and he was converting arable into pasture, and yeah. he took me onto two fields either side of the road, so there's no variance yeah. in, in terroir, if you yeah, like. Yeah. And one, one field, I picked up a handful of soil and it was like brown, like yeah. light tan-coloured yeah. brown sand, and the field on the other side, it was, it was like dark brown, like this yeah. table, and I was like, this, that's purely land management that's made mm. the two different. Mm. So, okay, so ploughing, it helps the new plants get to new nutrients, mm -hmm. but it's very destructive, mm. so you're, you're accelerating how quickly the nutrients are being pulled out of the soil and you're exposing it to to runoff and being yeah. dried out and things like that. What's drilling and how is it different? Well drilling is um, well, well drilling well drilling is purely the, the business of of putting the seed is, is sowing the seed in the ground. So it, it's okay. uh, So you use drilling even if you've ploughed then? Yeah yeah. So okay. you, you and Jeff Rotal, bless him, not the one legged flautist, but there's a um, there's a <laughs> You know, the, the uh, um, I can't think what he was, but uh, he invented the first seed drill and he, it was a machine pulled by horses and oh, it dropped a seed Jeff in. Jeff Till, really. <laughs> he should have been Jeff Till. <laughs> yes, exactly. But he, uh, uh, but so, but, you know, what changed, changed the game for us was realising that there was some, such a thing as a no-till drill. Till is a short, is, is a, to till is to, to cultivate the ground is so you, do, you know we, we, we got away from ploughing about 20 years ago and, and we were doing minimal cultivation or minimum tillage so min minimum disturbing that top yeah layer. so we okay. were we thought it was minimum we were 
we had huge machines which, which kind of scarified up the top, you know, four or five inches, and then we got shallower and shallower, and then after a bit we realised we didn't have to do anything, you know, we didn't have to disturb any soil because there was such a thing as a no-till drill, you know, which, which didn't do any cultivation but just made a, a notch in the soil, drop the seed in. And, I, and I've seen that, it's on. almost like a blade and it makes a yeah. cut, sort of mm. almost holds the, the sides yeah. apart, the seeds go in and it just sort of closes yeah. over. So, yeah. okay. So that's, so that's the method that you started using. So we got very excited about, yeah, I suppose 10 years ago we started no-till, no tillage at all and and um and it was extraordinary because it 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 it, it saved us so much time and, and and money because we could have a few you know we could get rid of a tractor and we could sure. get rid of all whole lot of expensive machinery and we were using a something like a, a third or a quarter of the amount of diesel we're using before and of course and the you know, energy we to pull the plow must, you, and, yeah, lot, yeah i mean it's incredibly talk, energy right? intensive yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and we were getting the same yields as as, as we were before. We so thought, well, why the hell isn't everybody doing this? You know, this is crazy. It's um, um, we were having to use a instead of all that ploughing things, we had to go over with a spray to kill the weeds at the time of planting the new crop to to give the new crop a chance. So. So they you couldn't, you couldn't do it in an organic way at that time, um, and it's still incredibly complicated. That you know, it's um, so that, that initially you're using what like a sort of roundup, or yeah. That so it's a dose thing. of roundup, oh, okay, yeah. And it's and which is you know, <coughs> cost a few pounds an acre as against all the ploughing and you know and and, and which, which which not only you know costs money per acre, but it also degrades your soil because you're yeah. you know, and so. You know, for the cost of the roundup, we we found our soils improving. You know, you could almost sort of see it happening. The, the change in colour, as you said about yeah, Neil's yeah. farm, and it's a. Uh, um, but, but roundup is is a pretty controversial chemical these yeah. days. Is it possible to do this this um, drill no till without without using you know roundup because it's been shown to. It, I mean, it has a detrimental oh, yeah, effect it, on, on, on the biology yeah. of the soil yeah, itself. Right? It does. It does. It does. I mean, it's nothing like as detrimental as ploughing, but it, it is, um, which is a sort of physical destruction of a sort of cityscape of microbes. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> a, you know, whereas it, it's more like a kind of, you know, a, a pandemic, or you know, it's like a, exactly the difference but, uh, between I mean, COVID and Hiroshima kind of thing. Yeah, because I mean, if, you know, what we realised, having started down this pro process, it was. I hadn't, you know, I've always been quite keen on looking after our soil, but actually I hadn't realised just how incredible the soil ecosystem is, you know. And as you say, fungicides and Roundup and, you know, all these uh, chemicals and fertilisers do damage all, you know, it's incredibly complex ecosystem, mm. starting with, you know, the, the, the sun, you know, the plants taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and, Making sugars and they exude that into the soil, which you know all the different soil creatures feed on it, and you know sure. it's, 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 it's very, it's very exciting, and, and no one, you know, there's a few people in, in investigating it, but no one really understands the full complexity and all the different. Well, I, mean, you know, I, I remember reading somewhere that in a in a 
tablespoon of healthy soil, there are more organisms than there are people in the world. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's bonkers. Billions, yeah, and billions, yeah. And billions and billions. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're quite small, but it, you know, <laughs> but they they, they 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 do an incredibly important job, and. Um, and yeah, so we don't want to hurt them as, if we possibly can, you know, and, and so ideally we wouldn't use Roundup, but at the moment Roundup is the, the cheapest and most effective way of doing it. But there are people experimenting with lots of other ways of, of farming with, um, without using without it. cultivating. Yeah. No, yeah. I'd be really interested to know about that because, you know, I know that Roundup is, I, you know, some of the reading I've done around yeah. it, I know it's highly controversial and, and farmers, you know, it's an incredibly useful tool for farmers, as you just described, to, to be able to produce food in a way that is minimally destructive yeah. and yet it has this sort of slightly antibiotic effect. Yeah, yeah, it is an antibiotic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's very interesting because Roundup, um, Roundup disrupts um, a pathway within, yeah. within plant metabolism. Mm that animals don't have. I forget what it's, shikamate pathway. I'm sure I've butchered yeah, it. It's a long time since I did but, biology. Um, yeah. that, this particular pathway is involved in plant metabolism, not animal metabolism. So the thought was, well, we can spread on the plants and it's not, it's, yeah. it's not affecting yeah. animals or humans. But the problem is, is that it's affecting our gut bacteria yeah. And, yeah. and it's disturbing. So yeah, yeah. it's a bit like, you know, when you take a course of penicillin, your, your guts are sort of mm. negatively affected. Mm. It's like a low level effect of that. Mm. So, you know, I think, you know, we really need to try and think of ways of moving away from, from the use of that stuff. Right? Absolutely. And I think it, it's, it's kind of, it's even more severe in cases of where they round up ready crops, which luckily we're not allowed to use in this country, but in, no, the, the, in G, the, US, the GMO crops, right. the GMO yeah. crops, because they they're, they're sprayed with Roundup on the growing crop, really growing crop, yeah, so it's, and it's so it's getting up. into the actual seed, which is then fed to chickens. And well, pigs no, and, you yeah, know, of I mean, course, so it ends up in the food chain. It ends up in the food chain. Well. Yeah. I, I had read that you know there were detectable levels of Roundup mm. in the Impossible Burger. Um, yeah, because, well, I can well believe it because yeah, it's yeah. come from um, you know it's come from that GMO soy that, mm. that's um, Roundup Ready is. Mm. So okay, so we've got we've got the situation where it, would you say that this these ideas was this sort of the birth of the idea of rege regenerative agriculture? Well, one thing we haven't actually done yet is define what regenerative agriculture is. So um, you know we're starting to talk about the beginnings of it, but can you just tell us? Well, I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I think we're. A, a little bit behind in this country. I, I, I first heard the word sometime, you know, eight or nine years ago. I went off to America. They, they, they destroyed their soils much more thoroughly in America than we did <laughs> in this country. Job, yeah. I mean, they've done a proper job. But I mean, because of their, their climate and their, you know, we have a benign maritime climate mm -hmm. and fairly resilient soils. But they, in the Midwest of America, they. Well, they've got the, the most fantastic bowl. deep soils and you know from where the the, the bison were roaming for thousands of years and six yeah. foot deep black soil lovely and they you know europeans came along and plowed it up and got some good crops and then the drought hit and, and the whole blinking lot blew away you know and it was just a, and so they realized that they had to look after their soils a bit more and so the sort of no-till farming kind of started over there and there's a group of farmers in kansas um, formed a no-till on the plains and they have a, okay. you know, they, they go around advising each other. But they have a fabulous winter conference, which my wife Joanna and I went over to whenever it was, eight, nine years ago. And 
you know, you've got 1,200 farmers sitting there with their Stetsons and, and they were listening to the most extraordinary, um, extraordinary exciting talks. I couldn't believe it. Now I know, you know, the people like Jill Clapperton just explaining, you know, what goes on in the soil and, and you know, how it all hangs together and, 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 and how you can farm in a different way. And there were, you know, farmers like Dave Brandt, who's a, you know, just a genius, who's, who's, who's turned his de degraded soil into a soil which isn't recognised by any of the, you know, soil scientists, because it's, it's just too good, it's not on the right, chart, right, right, you know, yeah. and, the, and he doesn't and, even have any animals, so he's... So the, yeah, I was going to say, this is entirely arable, but just doing he's it in, entirely in, in arable, the right way. And he's, and he, but he's, and he grows an awful lot of cover crops, and he grows, he doesn't grow a sort of pure crop of sunflowers, he'll have a kind of chaos of different cover crops all growing together and bumblebees. So and, is it know, called un undercropping, is it? Called? Well, it's kind of companion cropping okay. or, yeah. And then, but he, you know, he's, a, he's just a very good farmer. He worked out, you know, but I, so, so, so I sat and chatted to this bloke. I just, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't get my head around. Just the astonishing things going on. And then I came across Gabe Brown, who was just at the conference. And I was talking to him, who, and he's you know a sort of legendary farmer in North Dakota, mm. it, um, mm -hmm. and he wasn't so legendary then, but he's you know he's still a hero of mine. I'm so excited to meet him, and he and he said you know well, um, well you know there's a lot of talk about sustainability, John. He said you know but what's the point of sustaining a system which is fundamentally corrupt you know corrupted we so need to regenerate yeah, it and, sustainability. and that was the first time i heard the you know the, the, and it just stuck in my head i was as completely brilliant that's what we've got to do and, and 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 the great thing is that farmers are the only people who can do it on a global scale you know? yes absolutely. And we've got to do it is that's the only way we're going to get out of this mess well, well you're looking after most of the land exactly areas exactly yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. and it's it's just crucial that we farmers, you know, we are we're the new superheroes. You know, we've got to do it. We've got to step up to the mark. And sometimes you do wear a cape. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I put better. my underpants on the outside of my my trousers. You know, so, it, so, yeah. so this was like for you the because I've um, I, I really picked liked what you said there. Um, I, it's something I've often said. You know, when we're talking about our businesses, that sustainability means not making things any worse. Exactly. But, but, <laughs> it's, it's, but, but it's things, pretty low ambition. Yeah, it's Benchmark. Yeah. Um, so that was the first eight or nine years ago. That was the first time that you became aware of the sort of idea of regenerative agriculture. Mm. What I find really interesting, though, is that a lot of the talk now, when people talk about regenerative agriculture, they tend to talk about beef, cattle, mm. and the ability of animals to put nutrition back in the soil. Mm. But for you, because you were also a beef farmer, but for you, it started with arable. And so I think this is a great time to kind of introduce groundswell. Um, which, you know, um, we mentioned at the very, very beginning when we started talking, but Groundswell um, is still very much focused. It's a regenerative agriculture conference, festival, meeting, you know, whatever yeah. you call it, but it's still very arable focused, right? So it is absolutely possible to regenerate the soil without animals being in the rotation, or, or is it better with animals in the rotation? Could you talk a little bit about you know, yeah, the, the toing and froing there. Well, it, yeah, I mean, we, we well, was suppose six, six, six and a half years ago, we we yeah. had the first show. We just, I, we just sort of did it without really thinking about it. But it was, it was, 
it, we called it the no-till show the first okay. year and it was and there weren't any animals there but it, it, it was and we just had lots of these different no-till drills and we flew Jill Clapperton in and we you know there were various other really exciting speakers and it all worked very well um, but it was all about the arable and then it it the second year we, it worked so well before we do it again the second year well we had two days we had an, a livestock day you know okay. while, while the, and so with speakers about livestock and really not really concentrating too much on the on all the machinery and then we had the, the machinery day because we you know we thought that that would and then there's something well, you know of course they they've got to they've got to come together because it's, it's no good um, well, I mean, there's, there's some farmers who, who only have livestock, you know, because mm -hmm. of where they are, and, and um, it was fair enough. And, you know, um, two-thirds of the country isn't suitable, two-thirds of the UK isn't suitable for arable farming. Right, so, so, so two-thirds of all the farmland that we have, you, you couldn't grow crops on even if you wanted to. Well, I mean, you could, you could probably have a vegetable patch, but you could, could, make, you could make a living you out could, of it. You couldn't do yeah. commercial crops. And, okay. and, 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 and the trouble is, in, in, in past history, a lot of unsuitable land has been used for, for growing crops, and it's sort of washed away. Or, you know, if you, you, you plough a hillside and it rains, then the whole you know, your soil ends at the bottom, right, right. and you end up which is what's happened so you know, all over the world. It's, um, so unsuitability for crops, it, it's... I've... I've read somewhere that it's called marginal land, but it's an economic term more than more, more often than a physical description. Yeah. In mm. that, if you can make crops, correct me if I'm wrong, but crops generally will yield a higher value on a, on a bit of land than animals would. Um, if if the land is very good for crops, but if it's not, then there's a tipping point yes. where it's not economically viable and you can then keep animals on pasture. Mm. And it's to do with elevation, you know, elevation changes mm. within the land, as you said, like whether it's gonna wash away, you get dry bits and wet yeah. bits and mm. all this sort of thing. Is, is, that, is, that, is that a sort of physical description what makes land suitable or unsuitable or? Well, yeah, and then whether it's too rocky or too, you know, there were just how good the soil is, I suppose. Okay. And, and, um, and as I say, you know, it, soil, well, I mean, what we realised after doing Groundswell for a year or two, and, and, and because suddenly, you know, what, what was such fun doing Groundswell was just being able to, you know, being given licence to go and find interesting ideas and bring people along to talk about it. Yeah. And it just, it was just blew my mind to find out what people were doing. And they were, people were regenerating soils unbelievably quickly, like I say about Dave Branton. Mm -hmm. In, in Carroll, Ohio, you know, but I mean, there are people all over the world taking severely degraded soil and making it great again. But it's, you know, whereas we'd always been led to believe it takes a thousand years to create a centimetre of soil, which is kind I've of read that sufficiently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is sort of true if you're, you know, leaving if it the glaciers have just gone gone away and you've got bare rock and you know, and the lichens or lichens as we now call them, are, you know, all. <laughs> Sort of chewing away at the rock, and you know, it, it probably would take a thousand years. But using animal impact and you mm -hmm. know all the things we know about now, we can regenerate our soils fantastically quickly. And, and okay, and, okay. And, and uh, anyway, so, so no, no, going so, around in cycle, no, no, cycle, I'm leaping about all over this to coffee. I'm <laughs> giving you too much. <laughs> <laughs> taking it, taking away. So, 
It, that's really interesting. I'd, I'd also read that thousand years mm. um, to make an inch of soil, and that that sort of has led me to another like a, a question mm. that I hadn't really mm. thought of before, but something to ask you. There's a lot of talk about like rewilding. Mm. So um, basically, if we've got trashed land that we've overfarmed, leaving it alone and letting nature take mm. care of it. What would be the difference between, so that will eventually regenerate, mm. you know, then nature will, will take over. But if we've really put a system out of balance, nature needs to refine the balance within that system. Which is going to give a quicker result in terms of restoring soil, which is the most crucial commodity, mm. the most crucial asset that farmers have? Yeah. Is, it, is it careful regenerative management or is it just total leave it alone rewilding let nature do it how, how do the two compare in terms of actually you know re repairing some of the damage we've done good question i mean i i don't actually know for sure my, all my instincts are saying a, 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 a well-managed agricultural system will will regenerate quicker. will regenerate much quicker you know it, it's I mean, we, we mob graze our cattle, you know, we, we, we put a four-year herbal lay in our arable rotation now, so you're... Ah, so you are, so, you are mixing, so you're so using we're, the we're, yeah, exactly, okay, we're mixing okay. now, but so we, you know, you take one of our degraded arable fields and rather than, um, you know, we, 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 we put a mixture of lots of different herbs and grasses in called a herbal lay and, and that'll last for four years and so you've got deep rooting chicory and all sorts of, sort of lovely, you know, parsley and other sort of herbs as well as lots of clovers and trefoils and grasses all coming at different times. What, so, this, so this, this variety, instead of just planting yeah. grass... The, well, the, in nature, the, nature doesn't do monoculture, yeah, you yeah, know, sure. and, and the, more, the more diversity, the better diversity is basically a good thing, you know. Yes. You, you just, uh, almost anyway, you know, just the, the more things going on and then because plants look after after each other. I mean, it's bizarre. I was watching David Attenborough's new program, The Green Planet. You know, love 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 him to bits. But it, whoever wrote the script, I mean, it, it's just extraordinary. Sort of focus on plants battling each other. You know, and it's a, it's a war out there, and it, this plant's being eaten by that plant, and it was trying to get above it. And it, and actually, you know. The, Nature isn't, it's not red in tooth and claw. They're all collaborating with each other as much as anything. And with the mycorrhizal fungi, you know, feeding messages to each Network other. Network messages, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, and, and, you know, for sure, not everything's going to make it to adulthood, but, it, you know, in its brief moments, you know, it's, it's going to feed all the other. And, it, and, the, and the same thing works in the rainforest as it does in one of our fields in a herbal lay. We let it all grow up, and then we put our cattle in for, a few hours in, in a sh very small area and they'll eat a fair bit and tread it in, poo and pee on it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go away for a few months and it'll all grow back up again. And it just, so and it's that fantastic pulsing energy and, 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 and carbon into the soil. It's just phenomenal how quickly. So, so the cattle are having a benefit to yeah, that, yeah. Not, not a detriment. When, when they come and they eat the grass, it's yeah. so counterintuitive to think yeah, that, yeah. that that could be but it, I guess it's a little bit like mowing your lawn, right? Yeah. When, you, when you mow your lawn, it grow, the yeah, light yeah, goes a bit deeper yeah. and the lawn grows a bit. It, what, what's actually happening? Well, I guess, is, is it a case then that these, these herbal lay, this, this pasture, that, that we're calling it pasture rather than grass, yeah. um, 
has evolved with grazing animals rather than yeah is it, i mean do the two need each other i mean obviously the cows oh, yeah. need the grass but do the, does the grass need oh, the cows yeah, no, big time i mean if you know they're finding in you know a lot of places that had huge grasslands right in the you know hmm. the steps of russia Mongolia, or, you know, exactly yeah, yeah. And, the, and the prairies of north america is if you take the bison away uh, the grass grows up nothing eats it and then it kind of goes brown and oxidizes and evaporates in, into the, you know, it doesn't, and, and the whole thing becomes kind of sad and, and, and they, and, you know, prone to grass fires and, you know, and, okay. and they said, and they think, well, no, we have to manage this with fire and, and, and you're putting all this stuff in carbon the atmosphere and it's kind of crazy. For no reason, yeah. Whereas, and, you know, whereas you, that you same get, carbon they, get, could you be going into a cow. Get those but, bison or those yeah. cattle in and, and to eat it. Um, it, it, you know, they, 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 they might burp the odd bit of methane, but then it, I mean, all sorts of processes go on, you know, with, it's turned into a sort of science lesson, but they, you know, the, 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 there's methane eating bacteria in the soil, which are stimulated by the- Methanotrope. Yeah, methanotrope, yeah. good on yeah. them. And then they, and there's also, you get a, um, water vapor coming off of evapotranspiration from the, from the pasture. Which, which the sunlight sense. interferes with, and you create hydroxyl radicals, which eat the methane. You know, so if you're yeah. if you're grazing animals, you know, ruminants properly on on pasture, you know, methane is kind of ir irrelevance. And because it's a, also it's a closed loop. Cycle. It's a closed loop, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting a, what you said about the, the evaporation, because I that same time, you know, my, one of my light bulb moments, it was on those like 30 degree summer days and yeah. the wheat field that was desiccated and ready for yeah. harvest was absolutely baking of course yeah. you yeah. got the reflection from the, from yeah. the wheat and the pasture felt yeah. like it was 10 yeah. degrees cooler yeah. because yeah. you've got all the transpiration happening yeah. and all the evaporation which causes cooling and, and also um, i mean you know the, the, the chlorophyll it it it's it's it, it working away i mean it, it sort of takes heat out of the air you know it's all part of the it it it, it, it it's um yeah. So we can. Just, so we can and if you walk into a wood, it's even more noticeable. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just it degrees cooler. Okay. So, so you, you've you kind of talked a, a bit about like arable, and you've talked a bit about the animal, and and how on your farm you've got a, like a four year rotation. So, what how what's the, what's the rotation of your land then? It, you said you you do four years of herbal lay. Yeah. So, this, so you've. You've planted this on what was previously so growing, growing crops, wheat and barley. Wheat and barley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what happens then? So when when does it go back into crop, and what do you have to do to make that happen? Well, we're experimenting with all sorts of things, but I mean, you know, tradi well, traditionally, what we did until last couple of years was 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 plant it with was spray it off. With, well, we'd 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 slot in some wheat, and before it came up, we'd destroy the what was left of the cover crop with the um, herbal lay with um, roundup and then the wheat would grow up and you know and so the wheat's already planted and then you kill off what's yeah. on the top and then what, the wheat what we what we want to do is keep living roots in the ground as much as possible and it's a um it's you know we we, we made, it it we want to keep these soil creatures as happy as possible, mm -hmm. and so and the living roots are the kind of you know they're the power stations that kind of keep the whole system 
But, but is, is it possible to sort of kill the plant above the ground and not below then? No, yeah, well it is, but then the, the, the below ground bit tends to send yeah, up to new shoots. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, there are very, I mean, it, it's, it's just like, like saying I'll kill you from the waist up. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, I think, you know, there, there's some really exciting stuff going on now with Andy Cato's, um, with, we're working with him trying to, um, He's got the wild farm grain thing, which is, is about just cultivating a strip, strip. strip 50 centimetres I'm, really, I'm really hoping to talk to those guys. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen what they're doing and they've made special machinery. So, yeah, yeah. so you still keep your herbal lane, you just get these yeah. wonderful strips of wheat. In and, the then you, yeah. and then they'll come along with a mower and mow the herbal lay in between the things. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it, there's problems. And, and he's using a heritage or, you know, heritage old, wheat, old, yeah. old, Varieties because the modern wheats tend to stand sort of eighteen inches tall, and and they have a huge great ear which is you know pumped full of sort of carbohydrates but actually you know um, nutrient wise not quite so interesting as somebody else might didn't see loads of starch less yeah protein, I mean, they, you yeah. know they're incredibly good at doing what they do which is producing a high yield but not necessarily feeding people that well but it's the heritage wheats you know tend to because they're taller. They tend to have deeper roots, and so they've got access to more minerals and things deeper down. And so they can outcompete the weeds to a large extent. I've got you because you know, so they're, they're, they're yeah. So it, it's but it's it's very much work in progress, and you know Andy's been doing this in France some time, and he, he's got it working well there. We're in a different climate here, and so you know we 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 all. But he's got farmers all over the country who are experimenting, mm -hmm. and I think it's it's very exciting. But it. It's just an exciting time to be farming because there's so many of these sort of things going on. Um, with, you know, people trying new ways of doing it, and it's particularly exciting because it's you know it does away with the need for Roundup. You know, yeah. and effectively we can have because we we, we have can to have get a away. herbal. We lay. have to get away from that stuff, right? We can, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. It, you know, and you've got your thing and your herbal lay is still there. You know, and then you can come along with your combine, harvest your wheat. And then let the animals back on to to keep oh, the whole the system time. going. So you're yeah. not keeping them like yeah. So four, you're, four you're, years and four years exactly. And so you've got a fantastic um, diversity of, of, of things going on all the time. And um, so yeah. so the same land within the same year is producing both bread and meat. In yeah, a sense. exactly. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I mean, yeah. because I've always I've always thought that you know within within you said it earlier. There are no monocrops in nature. Yeah, but there are yeah. also no isolated systems where plants and animals exist in isolation. In yeah, either. yeah. So, I mean, what you've just described sounds like an incredibly brilliant, yeah. diverse way that we can produce food on, you know, well, so, I mean, well. if you look at a, an old meadow, I mean, we've got some meadows probably haven't been ploughed for 600 years at least. And, and it's, it's, but there's always quite a lot going on. And, and, you know, you don't really get bare soil in nature, but you do, get the old molehill or, or an ant hill and, and, and ants are just extraordinary what they do you know they they're, they're kind of engineers and they're farming aphids and doing all sorts of weird things we, we, we're not the only animals that farm are we? <laughs> we're not the only animals that farm but they're also creating bare soil and the thing about most of the arable crops we grow are annuals and they're weeds and they need they need kind of bare soil to get going or you know need us to make a put a you know, the seed in the ground and give them a chance to go. But it's, so you've got anthills and molehills. And so there will be a, a permanent pasture with annual weeds growing in amongst mm -hmm. them, you know, and, and 
So if we can look at nature for good ideas about how to farm, because you know, Mother Nature's been doing it for longer than millions and millions of years. And we think we're so clever because we've been doing it since the 1950s, you know, it's like a... So, um, yeah, biomimicry, you know, it's, it's just... Biomimicry? Yeah, okay, it's that's, a great, that's a great term, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, engineers use it when they're designing plane wings or, you know, they'll look at birds or, you know, I mean, it, it's a, you know, nature. You know, who's got so many of the answers? You know, so <laughs> you just have to kind of open your eyes wide enough to see what Mother Nature's up to, and then that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's I, I, yeah, that's incredible. So that's where that's where this sort of whole thought process is leading to is this yeah. idea of biomimicry. Um, so I think I think we you know we we better start kind of ramp, <laughs> wrapping this up a bit now. But there is, there is there sorry, is, it's, no, it's no, a big no, 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 could We could talk all day. But one one of the things that um, I said I wanted to talk to you about before we started the interview when we were when we were next door is that um, the last couple of Groundswell festivals that I've been to, festival agricultural mm. conference meetings, mm. um, I. I I came away with a bit of a sense that there is a disconnect between the farmers and food, and and I was wondering what what your thoughts were on how we could possibly bridge that gap because I got the impression that a lot of particularly arable farmers had almost forgotten that they were producing food, and yet the people at your conference, in my opinion, are producing the finest quality ingredients available yeah. in the UK, but to them it's it's a bit of a commodity, and and I, I see the real change in this movement happening when chefs connect with farmers mm. and also chefs are treating their ingredients a lot like commodities not all i, I know yeah, there's yeah, huge, yeah. huge variation but a lot of the time it's it's quality price there's, there's little thought as to provenance and you know, impact but more and more chefs now are starting to contact us as a business and say we're actually interested in impact mm. we want to know mm. we want to know impact can you see a time where we could maybe combine taste of London with Groundswell Festival and sort of bring these two tribes together? Or, or, or do you think it needs to? What are your thoughts on, on, on this idea? I uh, know, I think that's a, a brilliant, brilliant idea. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, we, I, we certainly, we, we thought we were producing thousands of tonnes of wheat, you know, and, and, and all we were interested in were the numbers that we were <laughs> given. Oh, your proteins are, you know, 11.3. You know, there needs to be 12 if we're going to get the top price. Oh, we've got to get more. You know, we've got to get... And, and that basically meant putting more fertiliser on to get, you know, to magic figure, which... And if you talk to a baker, they just say, well, hang on, what are you on about? You know, that's not what I'm looking for. You know, I want a, a, a wheat that produces nice-tasting bread, you know. And, 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 and it's... Um, and so, um, yeah, I... I think, I mean, we're, just, we're not very good in this country, you know, we, we've got a reputation for not being that interested in food, you know, and, 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 and to see what, you know, what passes as food in, in, in some places, you, you, you know, it's, it's yeah, I'm, justifiable. I, I, I'm know. always blown away by, you know, uh, the, you know, you go to a... a driving across France yeah. and, and you, you pull over at a service station which is on a motorway <laughs> yeah. and, and it will have local produce yeah. and you yeah. say, hang on, this has come from that farm yeah, yeah. four kilometres yeah. away and, and, and yet it's still got the mass produced, yeah. you know, Paul group sandwiches or whatever, yeah. but yeah. you can buy local honey or yeah. jam or flour or whatever and 
Well, the whole Michelin thing was, you know, Michelin make 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 tires, you know, and that and their guides were for lorry drivers, you know, yes, to where yeah, to get the yeah, best, yeah. you know, roadside snacks and it, and or food, and it's um, yeah, it's, it's part of their culture, or nor the Italians and the and Spanish, yeah. you know. How how, how can I mean, but but in terms also of like, you know, this new movement of, re, of regenerative mm. agriculture, mm. do you think there's a you know. Do you, do you see it as your job as a farmer to educate the 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 public or the chefs or the food buyers or or how, how do you think we can draw the decision makers into to the world that you're involved with? Um, <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah, no, I don't really think it's my job, but I do, I do. <laughs> you've got I, enough, I mean, I, I you've got enough on. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it, it's yeah, no, interest. I mean, I do. Um, I do, I do love the idea of, of making things better, you know, or just making it it easier for things to get better. And, and I think it's 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 been very nice. I mean, we we are getting more foodies along, you know, okay. and and it's it's and but I think it would be um, yeah, we perhaps ought to have some kind of. Um, um, dating service, you know, to, 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 <laughs> yeah, to, 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 to bring together farmers yeah, yeah, and chefs. Sure. Yeah, exactly. no, I'd love to do. That. I'd love to help with that. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I, I, uh, no, that'd be amazing. I, I, I personally would love to start. I'd love to think that this year, groundswell, twenty second, twenty third of June. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. we could invite the chefs that we work with and mm. say, come and you know, come and come and yeah, see the wiring definitely. under the board, yeah, if yeah. you like, or you know, under the. We'll lift the hood for you. You know, you can see, see, I, um, see how yeah. all this is driven a bit. Well, it's I mean, because there's, there's some people doing extraordinary things, and and they they kind of need, yeah, they want cheering up, you know, they want a, a recognition. It'd be nice to have a, a market for what they're producing. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's slightly agonising with, with with our cattle when we, you know, produce something, you know, it's the best it could be, and and the whole pasture fed thing, you know, it, they don't, we don't feed our cattle anything they wouldn't eat naturally and there's no um there's no well we, there's, we, we wouldn't buy your beef exactly you wouldn't <laughs> but it's you know that you're not sort of preaching to convert here but i mean the whole business of grain and stuff which makes them grow faster and we're advised that's what we've got to do but it's you know we do to do all this stuff and it disappears off into the some of it just disappears off into the soup soup i, I hope that someone's and Morrison's buys one of our steaks and think, oh my lord, that's so that's different. That, exactly. <laughs> but it's um So that, but that, the trouble that, is that, there's a tip everyone. You could yeah. get you could get lucky at Morrison's, you never know. <laughs> You've got to buy the premium one, right? <laughs> yes, it's a, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, a um hmm. Well I think I think that's that's a pretty good wrap up. So Groundswell is this year twenty second. Twenty second, twenty third of June. June. In, where uh, is it? In on our farm in North Hertfordshire, um, Lanark Manor Farm. Yeah, it's, and, and um, it's very much open to anyone interested, the public, farmers. Um, well, it is. I mean, we you know we tried we cook chefs. We called it originally by farmers for farmers because so many of these shows are put on by the industry mm -hmm. to sell things to farmers, yeah. and we didn't want to sell anything apart from ideas to people, and. Um, but there's so many exciting ideas there, but I think it will appeal to chefs and, 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 yeah, and I mean, or, or conservationists, you know, people who are just worried about the biodiversity. I mean, because the other exciting thing about this way of farming is just how many more birds and animals we have on a farm. 
No, and, and, and I, I, I can certainly attest to that, having you know, having been to a couple of ground swells. I, I may not wander into you know a discussion on plow blade shapes, but <laughs> but um, you know, I, I would go into one talking about you know soil microbes yeah, or, yeah. or you know how to the role of fungus in farming and things like that. It's an absolutely fascinating talks. And then of course there were a few cooks and chefs coming in talking about the difference mm. in quality of mm. ingredients that you guys are producing. Mm. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank oh, you very much, John. Well, thanks we, for having we, me. We've and literally gone around the world there, <laughs> um, and it's been really great to well, get. No, well, well done you with this an insight. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>